This is the Oil and Gas Startups Podcast, where we showcase emerging technology and the stories of industry founders, investors, and leaders with your hosts, Jake Corley and Colin McClelland. What's going on, Walkheaders? Rob Rachinsky from Engage dropped by the studio this week for part two. If you've been a longtime listener, you'll remember we had Rob on the show about a year ago, so it was good to have him back and catch up on everything that they've been working on over the past year. Engage is also now live on the bullpen, so if you guys want to go check that out, just go to the website and click on the bullpen tab. But before we go to the show, this week's episode is brought to you by Wolfpack Software. There's no way to be competitive in today's market without a production and business automation and a work-from-anywhere strategy that is nimble and keeps employees safe. Wolfpack provides business automation software for the oil and gas industry with expertise built in, providing exclusive accounting functionality, helping save you money, reduce capital, and the dependency on paper and the office. It still blows my mind that this industry is so reliant on paper. It's 2020, people. For years, only the largest oil and gas companies benefited from advanced technology deployments to automate their businesses. And we all know that tech has evolved and barriers to entry are much, much lower now. You no longer need to be one of the top 50 in the industry to do this. Automating financial and business operations helps smaller operators stay competitive and better manage today's market volatility. Independent producers can now reap the same benefits and see immediate efficiency gains in areas like field data capture, document management, accounts payable, and analytics and reporting. Wolfpack document automation captures, codes, and routes documents, including invoices, AFEs, contracts, all while giving you complete visibility and oversight of your workflows. Wildcatters, the time to retool is now while the market is down. By doing so, you're going to position yourself for scalable growth when the market recovers, and Wolfpack's going to be there to help. To learn more, just click the link in the show notes below. What's going on, Wildcatters? Welcome back to another episode of the Oil and Gas Startups Podcast. <laughs> Why did you look like you had to get in the zone? Like, I, know, I had to like, zone, in, like, zone in for a second. <laughs> We, okay, we've been having technical difficulties like all day, actually all week. We've been having SD cards go bad, mics issues and stuff. So we've been dealing with a whole lot today. I think Rob, who we've got with us today uh, from Engage, has just brought a whole bunch of bad juju from Denver. I don't know what it was. Yeah, I don't know what it was, man. That's It's, it's not me. It's, uh, it's the team. It's the it's team. team. <laughs> we've got the whole Engage team in here with us. Defle- so deflect. <laughs> I actually wasn't I wasn't here for the, for the first podcast, or I guess I wasn't there for the first podcast that you guys did together. Yeah, so we got a recap because we had Engage. We had Rob on the podcast. The Funk. Oh, yeah. We had it up in Denver Dr. with Dr. Funkenstein. He was subbing in, and that was when I was like, damn, Jeremy, we got to get you a podcast. So now he's got a podcast on Digital Wildcatters, Tripping Over the Barrel. If you guys haven't checked it out, make sure to check it out. But yeah, man, years pass. I'm sure a lot's happened. So how are you doing? Fantastic. Um, as much as uh, we can be in a good place with uh, the current state of the union, but uh, <laughs> it's been fun. Um, companies probably tripled or quadrupled in size since last time we sat down. That's so. wild. Good times. Um, just trying to uh, navigate uh, the oil wars and the pandemic. But yeah. It's been fun. So a few episodes back, we had the Cottonwood guys on. You guys are a portfolio company um, from Cottonwood. So I think when they were here the other day, they were decked out in all their uh, swag from the portfolio companies. I think they had some engage hats on. I think, I think they had sh- like the shirts. The golf shirts. Shirts. Yeah, it was right. the golf shirts. They came in here like a walking billboard. So well, we we actually in the CVP uh, boys, we we actually refer to Engage as more of a lifestyle than like a software. <laughs> it's 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 really like you get on board and you just live it. 
You live it at the golf course. You live at poolside. You live it everywhere because you can access it everywhere. So it's it's sort of a just a way of doing things and a way of thinking about things. That's good branding, man. I love it. <laughs> so you know, let, let's re, let's refresh everyone's memory. You know, what is Engage Mobilize? What do you guys do? Well, actually, wait, Except, it's Engage now, right? We're now engaged. Oh, yeah. it's just Engage. So we're not sure what those, Mobilize. What's happening over with those Mobilize cats? Uh, we are Engage. <laughs> I'm not affiliated with Mobilize. Um, All right. Yeah, we uh, we provide. Uh, field management solutions um, to handle the transaction at that bottom level. So there's a lot of talk about field ticketing. There's a lot of talk about um, that entire environment and and the field data capture and collecting the data. We are that tool um, to go out there and get that done, basically. Cool. So everything at the field level, you can pretty much handle from field data capture to getting the ticket signed. Our footprint is is growing pretty quickly. Um, Our client set is pushing us um, to get out there, like I said, and get that edge data digitized. And and because we are so close to the wellhead, um, we are sort of the the choice for that, if you will. Yeah. So let's talk about the software a little bit. Um, I think it's really interesting to see some of the field level software that's out there, especially, you know, me being a field hand, Jake and I've had this conversation a Mm -hmm. lot. It's like, I don't necessarily want to pull out my iPhone and have an app. You know, I like my tally book and my pen, you know, it's a lot more handy. So let's talk about how it actually works out in the field. You know, is it off of a, a mobile application? Is it just entering in the data into the web app on the computer? How do you guys actually operate? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the the, the unique uh, the unique scenario here and what differentiates this is not about what you as a field hand would have been collecting sort of manually. It's really about what Engage is collecting while you're doing your job or while you're working. It's a lot of that edge data that the operators and the service providers have never had access to. Um, it's the, it's the timing data and the and the location data and everything that your native device or our native application will pick up along the way. So you're still going to be collecting all those things that you were prior, you know, getting your JSAs done, doing your DOT, anything that you guys needed to put down on paper. But while you're doing all that work, Engage is um, collecting other data points that we can use to um, stand up um, all that work that's being done in the field more from a real-time perspective or a near-to-real-time perspective, um, and then tie it back to that data that you're referring to, Colin, um, and and also tie it back to the data that the, ser- the operator of the service provider are also already creating. So we're really trying to get all of these data points into one central area um, within our portal and make sure that uh, it can be leveraged to make the most intelligent decisions um, as quick as possible. So when you're dealing with field data capture, I think one of the issues is as an organization, when you implement something like this, you have to take into consideration what are the types of data points that you actually want to capture, right? Because it's very easy to capture a whole lot of things that you never use. And if you're never using it, why are you capturing it in the first place? So how does the pandemic of energy, right? Exactly. So <laughs> I, I can understand all the, all the data points that the guys who are using the apps are entering. What are some of the use cases for the data that you guys are collecting that's not being entered by them? Like you said, location data, timing data. How are you actually able to utilize that? Uh, the use case for the operator is being able to stand that data up and compare, sort of compare um, that work that's being done um, both by multiple service contractors in the same area and then from basin to basin. So you're really trying to roll this up and look at it from like a CFO perspective 
why, or, or like we were talking about earlier, a PE perspective, why is company A or asset A over here spending this much money to do something and we're doing the exact same job over here, but it's costing us twice as much. And so they can really dig in um, to their operation and to the contracts associated with it. Um, and they've never been able to do that um, unless they got one of their techs or one of their engineers to do, let's do a six month analysis on old data. Um, Engage is now providing that platform to log in and have all those um, present, have the data all presented right there and then. And this is, well, jobs are happening in real time. So if I'm looking to do a, you know, I need to figure out what's happening with my, my wireline costs or my workover costs over um, a certain period of time, I can just go in and look at a specific location, a specific route, um, and really drill into um, where we're seeing spikes or, or decreases in costs in a lot of cases and why that's happening. Mm. So jog my memory. What was your background? I don't even, it's been so long since you were, you were on the show. You know, what was your background and how did you kind of come up with the idea of engage or pursue, you know, get it started? It's a, yeah, sort of the impetus of the creation and the vision here all started with, um, Myself working the high-level financial side, um, I was working um, at the time, it was with Anadarko, alongside the VP and their planning and BT teams, and we were really looking at like streamlining the accruals, and how do we position ourselves for Wall Street correctly, and all the data that rolls all the way up to that top level, um, and then is presented to the public. And the break between the field data and that, um, in some cases, uh, depending on the size of the operator, it can be months. And what I transitioned, um, you know, I guess about a half a decade or six or seven years later into actually working the drilling side. Um, we ran another company that was uh, during the good times when everybody was a consultant. You know, we were, we were putting safety hands out there and company men and, and dot, dot, dot. And that's when I really got a feel for how big the break was. You know, we're going to put a company man on location to manage our costs. Well, we're doing that because we don't actually have access to what's happening on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, we're leveraging tools like Wellview and whatever to try to get those costs in. But um, working as a consultant in that position, uh, we were just putting 20% kickers on every drilling AFA because we really didn't know what was happening. And so when everything kind of tipped over in 15, we took a hard look at that process and said, why as an industry have we not digitized this? And the straight answer is we were just making too much money to care. Um, and so when we get into these environments like we are in today and lifting costs and LOE and the pressure from Wall Street and the investment, you know, the, the LPs and whoever is so huge on those C-suites, um, they are now looking to engage as that tool to sort of combine that. And so I really used my experience um, both on the financial side and then on the operations side to not develop a software, but to develop a digital workflow that made sense to the industry and was going to be easy to deploy because, um, it's dynamic out there and things change and you, and, and you had to keep it real simple. And you know, that's why we've been able to disrupt is taking just that overarching thing that should have been done and deploying a very simple tool to make that happen. What, what year did you guys start? <laughs> Colin's dying over here. We don't know what's wrong with Colin. I'm, I'm scared. We are in the studio. It's July. It's July 6th. And we're in Houston, and there's a spike. <laughs> and it's Colin. 
Um, no, uh, we started, uh, we bootstrapped um, this whole thing up until CVP uh, funded us in uh, late last year, but we were uh, we were 2016 launch um, as far as on a napkin and baited in 17 in the stack with um, an operator on the drilling side. Okay. So pretty new. Um, we've made... We've we've moved quickly, um, considering um, our uh, the infancy of Engage. Did you have a technical co-founder that was kind of leading the development of side of things, or did you guys reach out and do some kind of offshore development or contract development or something like that? We um, we were really lucky early on. We had a great advisory board that came from the technical side. We had both um, somebody from the engineering side, as far as software goes, and then also a very um, strong product advisor um, in Chris Gloday. Um, and we uh, really leveraged them. They went out and RFP'd our initial India contract. Jared and I actually flew over to India and spent weeks um, in North India. How was that? Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard lots of stories from field hands working in India. Uh, I, well, this my, is finding their development stuff. Yeah, for this is for yeah, finding our. Yeah, we were over yeah. there. Uh, I know, working. but India is fucking India. Yeah, India is India. <laughs> If you like, um, piss off a lot of Indians. Yeah, I don't, I don't know where to go from this here, but uh, it was, uh, it was, it was interesting to say the least. Um, it was um, burning garbage and um, amazing talent, though. I mean, I will say, like, our team out of India ended up being um, one of the major reasons that we are able to get to market so quickly and then move in a really agile method through some of these workflows that we thought we understood that we really didn't. Um, yeah. And so we spent a lot of time out in the field early on with the crews, with the drivers, driving around, um, just the most hilarious stories coming out of working <laughs> with those guys. Um, and and then working back with our India team. But yeah, India itself, I probably wouldn't, um, I wouldn't vacation there. Uh, <laughs> and I, I can't imagine it today. Would, would you uh, recommend, you know, a lot of startups, they look to outsource development, you know, whether it's India or Brazil or Colombia, <clears throat> would you recommend most startups go that route or were you comfortable doing that since you had experienced people on your And was team? it truly outsourcing or was it offshoring? It was offshoring. I mean, we, we, we definitely did not allow the backend to be outsourced to India. We wanted to make sure that we maintained all the database and everything that was going to be, I guess, from a security standpoint, we wanted to control that in Colorado. Um, but we did, yeah, we outsourced almost everything. And I, I would recommend it. Um, I would recommend, um, if you're not a technical founder, um, Neither myself or um, our other two co-founders were technical. So we did not, um, we really needed help from somebody who had worked in India. So if you're going to do that, go out and find somebody that has done this before and help you RFP that. Yeah. Um, because, um, you know, it, I, I look back at our RFP and it was hilarious. They wrote that the firm that we ended up choosing, I'll give a shout out to OpenXL. Um, great work. Uh, but they had wrote, um, sort of that lost in translation deal, they had wrote, um, we're here to make you so much money. And that was how they started their RFP, which was like a 50-page document. <laughs> we want you. And then it was what a picture sign? of them holding up a sign. We want to make tons of money for Engage. Um, or engage mobilize at the time. And, uh, so it was awesome to go out there and meet them and work with them. Um, we actually, um, last year kind of shut down our final, we don't have anything offshore, 
you know, we've we've got funded, we've gotten big enough that we've brought everything back to um, the U.S., um, which makes it a lot easier. It makes it a lot quicker. However, having an India-based team, um, they work overnight. So, you know, um, when you're really young as a company and, you know, a company man or a production soup says, well, that, that just looks stupid. Can you fix that? We were able to, like, hey, India, <clears throat> let's show these guys how agile we are, get that fixed overnight, and then show up the next day, hey – yeah. That's the type of company Engage is, um, and we can move that quick. And I think that's important. So not to mention that they are, you know, a third of the cost for really upper-level talent out there um, for what you pay here on shore. Um, it, it, it was a really good experience. Um, wouldn't have changed it. So definitely would recommend. Yeah. Uh, that is a start. And you mentioned, um, you know, obviously we mentioned earlier that you guys are a portfolio company of CVP. When did you guys do your, your series a with them? Was that last year? Yeah. So it was kind of a couple months after our podcast. Um, our first one with you guys, we, we, we closed out, um, in late August with them. Uh, I had met them probably a year or so earlier. Um, and, uh, at the rice deal, I think it was, and uh, they've been awesome to work with. Um, that uh, obviously pertains to a lot of the massive growth we've had engaged, but we really needed their support, um, not only within the ecosystem that um, sort of Ryan and Jeremy and Anthony and those guys live in here in Houston, but also just um, we had large clients at the time that expected engaged to be, I'll even call it an SAP or an Oracle. And we had this tiny shop trying to support, you know, multinational commercial clients. And uh, so we kind of had to go for the money quick um, and make sure that uh, we were able to implement and, and support yeah, so at, at a high level. Let's talk about that a little bit because um, this has kind of been a running theme over the last few episodes. We've had some capital groups on here. We talk about, you know, founders taking capital lately on Twitter. There's been this big battle between bootstrap versus venture capital backed, you know, which one's best. So you guys, before you took your series a from Cottonwood, were you guys already commercialized? It sounded like you already had some, some clients running yeah. with you. We were, we were commercial, um, for sure. Uh, we were probably at that point, our, um, our largest client, um, which doesn't exist anymore, which was Anadarko, was uh, about, I don't know, they're about 18 months in. Um, we had done a lot of development with them. I think um, it was awesome to have large clients up front because as much as we go and we partner with um, the, TV, you know, the team at CVP, really early on if you can if you can get it and the message is out to those other founders is, really work with your initial clients as partners and set the contracts up as a partnership, not as an SLA, because they are going to be the one that kind of make or break you. Mm -hmm. And, and I look back at that project management team from Anadarko and they're the reason, um, you know, they're really the reason for, um, it really commercializing and it being, um, a, a platform that could be adopted by others. Right. Um, we definitely thought we had all the answers your clients have all the answers, right? I mean, yeah. they know better than you. Um, and really 
creating that early on is is super important. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned that you guys have um, tripled or quadrupled the size of the company since the last podcast. And that sounds like it was kind of happening in the same time frame as taking the investment from Cottonwood. So, you know, you guys got that Series A that allowed you to scale up, um, you know, obviously your bandwidth and resources to serve your clients. So what did you guys do um, after, you know, what, what were your first moves after taking capital and what's allowed you to kind of scale up the company? Uh, first off was, was um, like I mentioned, sort of repatriating everything back on shore. Um, we went out and got some high-powered engineering talent and pretty much restructured the entire team. Engage is a complicated platform because we have to develop on, you know, three or four different levels. You know, you have the, the web, Android, Apple. Um, we're now moving those into one code base on the native side, but it's a pretty big undertaking when you work the native side. And so that was our first kind of step is let's step back. Um, let's make sure that the application is ready to scale um, and that, uh, you know, everything from security and setup is is um, is a beauty. And then we uh, from that point on. Um, started really inserting high powered project management and customer success talent. We actually didn't, you know, a lot of people think when you go out for investment that, Oh, this is for your sales and your marketing team and let's go to market. And, um, we'd always been really focused on marketing, um, at engage. And that was really a strong point. I think it had a lot of the reasons to do with why CVP invested and why we had the market share, the small market share that we had. Um, so for us, it was more about supporting the supporting cast, um, just recently we've started to really regrow and rebrand, um, the sales and marketing side. Um, but it was really early on just about, holy, how do we support this multinational? How do we take this internationally even with a client? Right. And what team do we have to put in place to make that happen? So, you know, for those of you who think that you're going out and getting dollars for your sales team, that's just not the case. You're, <laughs> you're going to buy a whole bunch of people that nobody's ever going to know. Yeah. Um, and those, you know, that's the backbone and, and the success of the company is built on your, your engineers and your product team. And that's what we went out and did really early on after investment. What was one of the biggest challenges when you're looking to scale a team in terms of finding the right talent? Like, and what, what types of functions? The reason I want to ask is because Denver is a, a completely different environment than Houston, particularly as it pertains to um, like tech talent. Um, but I think also just with everything that's going on with COVID, you got a lot, whole lot of people out of, out of work. You've got certain people being laid off. You got a lot of people just in that weird position. So I'm kind of curious as to, you know, what were the challenges that you guys faced? Um, unfortunately, uh, the new world order has trained people that everybody can work remote. So all of a sudden yeah. when we were competing as a startup, we were competing in Denver and, um, now startups in Boston can compete for Denver talent. And that, that's mm -hmm. just, you know, I think on the engineering <clears throat> side, that's always been sort of a way of thinking, but I think this really solidified that not only can your engineering team work remote, but everybody can work remote. And so we felt that we were in a really good position because everybody wants to live in Denver. People love Colorado. We could move people. We wouldn't even have to pay to move people to Colorado. Like, Hey, come work for a startup. <laughs> and now it's like, well, if everybody's working remote, you know, how is that kind of kind of transform how we recruit? Um, I guess one thing I would say that we're really proud of and that we, um, uh, is unique to engage is we have a pretty, um, uh, open and, and, and f I guess, um, 
hilarious culture. You know, we really are not, we don't take ourselves too seriously. And I don't know if that's what, if we, it's kind of just the way we were founded. Um, we came out of the oil field. We came from our FRs into being a software company and had no idea what, um, what a native app even meant. Yeah. Right. I don't even know what, knew what the word native meant. And well, now you know, when you say it, you sound like, you know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. Right. Down. Right. You're definitely a learning, <laughs> a steep learning curve. Um, but I think that's the, that's the sort of the power of our team too, is that boots on the ground knowledge. Um, you know, our, our, our senior sales engineer, he worked same as you Colin. He was a work over rig foreman, for a number of years. Um, I think that was what your history was, right? Were you working close? Workforce? Yeah, close, close enough. Was um, and, you know, that's how we built our team is really plucked, um, just cool people out of the field that um, can speak the language and um, interface with our clients from that perspective. And uh, we, uh, we, have a, we have an awesome culture. And so competing is one thing, um, but I think it really is only on the engineering side. And Denver's a good spot. I think for that's it. pretty interesting. You know, when you look at companies like Engage or Corva, and there's a handful of others that are software tech companies, but they have heavy emphasis on mm-hmm. plugging out smart field hands. And so you bring that, you know, that oil field culture into a tech startup. It's a pretty unique uh, thing when you mash up those two types of cultures. Can that backfire? Yeah. <laughs> we've uh yeah like, i'm not gonna call you, you up i'm not gonna call company, any names yeah, but there, you, you there's been fist fights <laughs> we're a software company and there's been fights yeah <laughs> it's at that level i mean the person who works for us he's from louisiana i'm calling you out um, yeah no i mean it's uh um, that's my type of company yeah though. we're giving him an mma cage now so if they want to throw down we, we can, can well, sanction as, as he puts it if you're gonna fight you fight for real and we'll go up behind the shack so no i mean it's it did is you, interesting did you, did you happen to see our idea for cattle guard throwdown no, I have not. <laughs> it's the best fucking idea I've ever come up with first off. So, you know, when you're out in the oil field, if you want to fight someone, you tell them to meet you at the cattle guard. And that's like, hey, what if we just got all these oil field hands that think that they're badasses to fight each other? So made up a poster called Cattle Guard Throwdown. We were going to do it in Midland and we just teased it and we got so much reaction i mean people wanting to sponsor so you're gonna be joe rogan up. and you're gonna be dana yeah. white or like yeah. who's who's playing yeah. what well, i think we're gonna have i think we're gonna have jeremy <laughs> funk uh commentate it just because <laughs> Jer- like jeremy's got the commentator thing down but anyways and covid happened and you couldn't, you couldn't pull it off so gotta, we couldn't pull it off but trust me it's, it's still there in the back of my mind we're gonna make it happen so if you got your guys uh, engaged that just need to like blow off some steam it's like hey man i like it this down. guy calls himself like wolverine coming out of northern alberta he's gonna be fighting uh, <laughs> joe <laughs> Coming out of West Virginia, <laughs> he's wearing overalls, no shirt. <laughs> that's, like that's, I mean, that's that's the oil field types yeah. of fights that you see. Like no teeth, no fingers, just punching each other. So what do you need those for? Yeah, like, actually, could, our operations team is probably our most pure oil field. I mean, we got we got guys with you know tattoos of fire on their fists. So to your point, um, absolutely. There's a, I think there's just a huge component too. And, and there's respect associated with, especially a technology and engage where, um, you know, are we going to be the reason that people lose their jobs or are we going to be the reason that, you know, workflow changes and, and that person becomes obsolete in a sense. And, you know, we, we preach, um, that this is not a, replacement. This is a retool. So many of these guys, so many of these ladies that are coming out of those field positions are some of the smartest in our industry and not, you know, not to downplay it, but they're, um, 
they want the technology just as much and mm-hmm. they've just never been given the opportunity to learn that side and, and to learn that, you know, be, be that component in the business. And that's tools like engage and any of these other field tools, that's, it's just changing it. You yeah. know, you, you have to be able to adapt and, and you're seeing a lot of ideas and information now get back to corporate that probably never were because now these people are, um, engaging the software. Yeah. So what are you guys seeing in terms of adoption right now, just with everything that's happening with COVID? You know, obviously you guys have been growing over the last year. How have things changed in the last three or four months? I mean, you even told me today, you know, you guys fly down here to Houston and you had people canceling meetings on you. It just changes everything, right? So how are how are things going for you guys in terms of uh, growth and business development? What are the challenges and how are you guys handling all of that? I... Uh for the longest time, I always said that timing was the reason that we were disrupting. And I can't believe the opportunity that was handed to engage with the oil wars and the pandemic. Um, if anybody wasn't paying attention to lifting costs the way they should be, um, their investors and Wall Street are forcing them to come up with answers. And mm-hmm. the reality is, is our, you know, what are we out there trying to do? Um, reduce LOE. So, um, we've never really been busier. Um, and from the um, implementation perspective, this is also, and I was kind of just talking through that on um, the bullpen session there, is that we've had to learn um, how to implement software in the at the oil field level um, during, like everybody is, but it's going to speed us up. Um, now everybody's used to, you know, those those lease operators are used to having to join zoom meetings all day and that's just what it is now. And, um, so it's, it's made it easier, um, and really changed our sort of mantra on how you actually get it to that end user. Um, it's, it's been awesome. Um, I feel for the guys on the DNC side, I mean, they're in, and I also feel for, well, I don't feel for them, but I guess, um, the folks that were trying to follow us and come behind us are dead in the fucking water. Yeah. And so from an opportunity standpoint, Oh, here's engaged. Our partnership with CVP couldn't have been in a better time for the capital markets, for mm-hmm. the industry. We have the horsepower, we have the resources. Um, and so things are moving really quick. Uh, not only within our current client base who, um, this is being talked about at the highest level. Well, if that's the ROI, then deploy faster, deploy against every asset. And then for potential clients, um, our sales team is getting access to the C-suite. And that was not easy before. That was yeah. like sort of a myself or my C-suite to a C-suite. And now it's like, you know, Kayla over here, she can reach out to a CFO and they're writing her back instantaneously what do you guys do you guys reduce costs (laughs) sign us up i was just in a board meeting yesterday that's all they were talking about (laughs) yeah you know a lot of people are asking us right now you know what's the sentiment in the startup world for oil and gas feast or famine yeah and i mean it's really it's kind of been binary it's some guys like you that are like man this has been the best three months that we've had you know couldn't have asked for a better opportunity because emps are now looking at how do we increase efficiency among our organization and our assets and then you have others you know maybe the timing wasn't right for those startups and now they're you know struggling so it's all timing right you know and it sounds like that you guys hit hit a stride you know getting the getting the investment you know the capital markets working out for you and then the uh, oil and gas markets working out for you as well so you know Kind of going on the the topic of efficiencies, <clears throat> we've seen 
a lot of EMPs, you know, kind of getting rolled up in private equity. And this is something a lot of people are talking about, you know, you'll have, um, you know, whether it's in cap or, you know, insert private mm-hmm. equity fund here, you know, they've got 20, 30 portfolio companies and it's kind of like, it's managing a lot. Right. And so a lot of technology companies have been talking for the past year or so. It's like, Hey, we're trying to start going directly to the private equity, um, groups and having them deploy our technology across the portfolio companies. Is this something that you guys have been looking at doing? Is it something that you've been hearing? Yeah, was, excuse me. Absolutely. It's been, um, definitely a new talk track. I think there's, it's always kind of existed on the back burner, but there's never really been the perfect storm to force that into actual, um, implementation. And, we have had um, some of the most uh, unique and interesting conversations about getting to that next tier of cash, I guess I'll call it, um, and and talking with the PEs on that level of, is there a reason why you guys don't want this financial data or you wait on your portfolio companies to share it with you? Mm -hmm. Um, Here's a tool that gives you access to look across your portfolio and I think we're going to be able to pull it off. Um, we're, we're deep down the road in um, discussions with a lot of them. And it's going to be interesting to see the way this plays out um, because more than ever, the, um, the investors kind of have a say. Yeah. Um, and when you talk about um, the M&A side and sort of the consolidation of a lot of these assets, um, it's just going to add... Um, you know, we are, uh, we're transaction based and we're size based, right? So the bigger you are and the more transactions, the more you pay. And so if we've managed to infiltrate, uh, two or three of the portfolio companies, um, and all of a sudden they're consolidated, well, perfect. Um, everybody's going to now have access. The PE level now has access to that data in the past week alone. Um, we've garnered, uh, two logos just based on M and A activities, which is amazing, right? You, mm-hmm. you turn, and that's the other direction. That's the big players selling off s- some of their assets to the PEs. But the reality is with all this movement, um, and I think that's just in software in general, but with all this movement, um, it's going to create, um, inorganic growth at engage that we probably didn't forecast for, right? This yeah. isn't something the sales team is doing. This is something that the market is doing. And it's, um, it's just, again, an amazing opportunity. Um, especially if you're like us and you're having those conversations with the end caps and, mm-hmm. you know, old iron sides and, and those folks, it's just, um, let's do this as a team. You yeah. guys have huge pocketbooks to, um, enhance the engage platform and drive investment straight into it and possibly even invest directly in the company. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's really, it's really awesome to have those conversations because, um, they maybe were never even considering sort of the technology side in their portfolio and they're almost forced to now. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, I mean, you know, the problem before this is high oil prices make it hard for adoption, right? It's like, right if we need money, we'll just drill another well for so, so long. It was like the private equity, like selling into the private equity companies to get access to the portfolio companies is not a new concept. It's been around forever. But like you said, there was the perfect storm of everything that's, that's happening now. These guys need more control. They need more insight. They need more transparency into the operations. Right. And I think that this is a good opportunity for something like that. And where should we consolidate? Yeah. You know, if I have these companies and why are they, why is, within the same area, you know, why are the operations so different? Um, and where can this company help this company? And they're definitely, um, and I look not even at consolidation. I look for them at, um, investment. Um, to me, the biggest, you know, my biggest 
comeback or my biggest thing I'm putting on the table for them is, well, you don't really have a, you know, you have some idea based on the financials of what's happening um, in this company over here that's not in your portfolio. But if that company is on Engage, <laughs> what data can you go now get at that you weren't able to before to make your decision on the investment? It's giving them a coupon code. Mm-hmm. You know, now I can see directly what what these guys are up to all the way down to that field level. And I can see it in real time if I want to. Um, and, and so the conversations are funny and we're seeing it that they're actually reaching out outside of their portfolios to our clients talking about Engage. So you'll have, you know, portfolio PEA talking to a company in PEB's portfolio about what Engage is doing. And I don't think that they're doing it um, to um, find out what Engage does. I think they're finding out um, they can ask different questions now because of the data that that specific company has. And I think that's going to be a jump off for Engage here in the near term is um, using our data to um, really validate some of these M&A transactions or, or consolidation or just going out and pick plucking um, because you have a you have more insight into what yeah. exactly is going on. So you mentioned earlier international markets. Have you guys wedged into any international markets or are you still focused on the U.S.? We're, we're focused mostly on um, right now. I mean, I think last time we spoke, Colin, we were um, – we had seen a lot of companies come before us and die in the Permian, mm-hmm. die in the craziness out there. Um, and so we had really spent a lot of time building out the other basins um, and kind of staying away from the uh, West Texas um, scenario, if you will. And, uh, um, you know, even we were in South Texas, we just weren't interested in, in that. And right now, Engage is really focused. Um, we probably have six implementations going right now just in the Permian um, and, and, you know, in New Mexico. And so that's kind of our focus right now. I think we're going to be looking to jump internationally, um, kind of kicking off, you know, first or second quarter of next year. We actually really believe that, um, this type of technology, if it was embraced down in, you know, South America, we definitely know Australia because of their water situation is a huge, um, it's a huge opportunity. Um, and, and getting this into the hands of, you know, we had an Africa project that was going to launch. It was on the DNC side. It obviously got shut down. We were supposed mm-hmm. to launch in March um, in Nigeria. But in those environments where just any sort of transparency would help the operation, like when is my frat crew actually going to get here? Like, they have no idea when you're working in down out of Buenos Aires, right? I mean, it's... Um, from what I've heard, it's just like a um, the supply chain is very fragmented, and I think Engage internationally has even a bigger impact than it would even domestically here um, with our broken supply chain. So we're excited. Um, we're 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 not um, we're growing too fast here to be ready for that yet, though. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's going to require maybe our next round of funding um, yeah. and to sort of really deploy an international team. We are, however, working um, right now um, to set up partnerships with folks like PwC, um, Accenture, those folks to make sure that if, um, you know, a major was to ask us to go um, overseas that they can leverage other partnerships outside of Engage yeah. um, and help with that integration and that implementation um, on a 
on a much broader scale. Speaking of that, you, you mentioned before the mic, and you don't have to disclose who they are, but you, you mentioned you guys are working on a couple different partnerships with other tech companies in the space, which I still think is super, super refreshing because even three, four years ago, nobody wanted to work with anybody else. Yep. It was, everything was siloed. It was, we only, we have no API that we can expose. Yep. We don't want to transfer data back and forth. What's, what's kind of next for you guys? Cause I think some of the partnerships that you mentioned, uh, and if you want to talk about that, it's, it's fine. Um, what's next other than international? Yeah. And I, I think that's a great question. Um, the, the, actually that was really what my trip to Houston centered around. Um, we're obviously not being invited into uh, potential clients offices at this point. You know, we were here to talk to um, a number of companies about, um, exchanging the technical docs and getting the APIs and the connections set up because, the reality is, and I say that for Ross because he's sitting in this room, is <laughs> uh, that the, the deeper that we can integrate, um, the stickier that we become. And even as small startups that are touching different pieces of the operation, um, just creating those connections and leveraging each other's data is so important, especially where we're at in our growth cycle, because it for both sides, it gives... Um, the ability to do different analytics that have never, you know, if we're all emerging techs and we're all collecting new data points, quote unquote, then let's share them with each other and find out, you know, why a production group over here may want something different than a, uh, geo, you know, the geologists over here. And, and so we're seeing that. And I think the new emerging, um, techs that are coming out and the founders that are running those companies see that very blatantly like if you're not going to do that and we have to pioneer those connections mm -hmm. if you're not going to do that um it's about consolidation right now so whether you want to go and this is even and i can call it out i mean you know we're trying to work within the cvp portfolio um cvp has developed a very robust portfolio where there seems to just be like a little bit of overlap between mm -hmm. all of us that are in the portfolio and we definitely have the same buying centers so there's no reason for us to not go, hey, if this is a production deal, why do we not sign up with Ambient or whoever and say, let's do this as a co-deal mm -hmm. and consolidate some of this and, and really, and and then we're even doing it obviously outside of the portfolio um, and then having to do it with the legacy softwares that were in place. Um, you know, a lot of the strategic partnerships that we're trying to set up are with some of the old players, some of the old guard who may even still have on-prem software, mm -hmm. still collecting data, I mean, we still want to get at it. Um, I think that's probably from the engineering side right now, 75% of our work is integration and, and, and going and setting up posts and calls really um, just so it makes us stronger and makes um, our neighbors stronger really. Mm -hmm. Yep. So Rob, before we get out of here, if people want to engage with engage, where can they find you guys at? Well, what's, what's the website? We, we're, we're on the interwebs. We're out there. If you got the internet is still active in the COVID, uh, look us up at, uh, um, on online or just reach out directly, um, to myself on linked or wherever we're, um, um, we're busy. We're getting busier. So, uh, if, if this is something that has been decreed, uh, within your company, move quickly, um, and, and reach out, um, exciting times for us. So yeah. excited to hear. And we got guys, just so you know, uh, Rob is on the bullpen, um, did a, uh, a demo or ran over their deck for, uh, engage. So if you guys want to check it out, um, check it out on our website, digitalwildcutters.com, go to the bullpen and he'll be there. Rob, thanks for coming on the show, man. Thanks for having us. Yeah, great job, um, man. 
especially down here in Houston. I know uh, it's crazy right now. So thanks for the invite. Hey, we appreciate you. To appreciate you guys being troopers, making it down. Yeah. <laughs> so you heard the man. Go check out the website. Go check him out on the bullpen. Uh, if you like the episode, share it with your friends, share it with your family, and we'll catch you guys in the next episode. Come, 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 come.